Okay guys, I am back and I wanted to actually introduce our uh, guest on this episode. Um, right now I have Leah Sherry uh, <laughs> with Turnip Green and um, I kind of want you to like introduce yourself and like tell us who you are and what you do for the organization. I'm Leah Sherry yeah. and I'm the Executive Director for Turnip Green Creative Reuse and we're a nonprofit just trying to keep usable materials out of the landfill and reconnecting them back with people who need them, so teachers, artists, students. Yeah. So cool. So I noticed when I came in, you guys were in a different location. Yes. Uh, how long have you been here and what inspired the change? We are here tomorrow. <laughs> it's our first birthday in Wedgwood, Houston. And a few different things inspired the change. First of all, we had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> um, but it was one of those things that was forced but really worked out to our advantage. It was mm -hmm. kind of something that needed to happen, and it just gave us the right kick in the pants to make it happen. Love it. So basically the story goes is... I don't know if you've heard of gentrification. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, everybody has. But basically developers are buying up a lot of land, and especially commercial property in Nashville. So our last location was in East Nashville, and really hot piece of property. So it got scooped up by a developer, and <clears throat> there were four or five organizations in that building, and we all shared it, and we were all told that we needed to relocate. Um, Turnip Green had about four months to figure wow. out all of those moving pieces. So you've walked around, you've seen all of the stuff. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. But one thing that was happening, um, especially in the East Nashville location, is we have just continued to grow mm -hmm. and grow and grow, which is a wonderful thing. Absolutely. And we had been talking for a long time about we need to be looking for other space because we had about 2,000 square feet Wow. and we just needed more. So it, it really, the opportunity presented itself and we said, okay, now is the time because we have to find a new place. And we found this space, which is in such a wonderful neighborhood. I mean, we miss East because yeah. it was super creative and quirky, Absolutely. but Wedgwood Houston is perfect because it brings those same qualities. All of these businesses on this block and galleries work so well together so it feels like we just jumped right in into like a new family that took us in with open arms and it's 5,000 square feet so we've been able to just wow. do so much more take in so many more materials yeah. um, so that's kind of what sparked the change and how it's worked out for us I love it so you mentioned materials what do you guys take and like what's off limits what's the list look like oh goodness so we like to present it as we want to be a space it, for anything that's hard to recycle, mm -hmm. that doesn't otherwise have a home, because these there are a lot of items going into the landfill every day that people can actually use. Absolutely. And the only reason they're going into the landfill is because people don't know where else to take them. So right. we were like, why not create a space for those items to land and kind of be like an exchange hub so people can donate those items and then shop for those items too for their own creative projects. Awesome. So we take <laughs> just about anything. Okay. Um, as far as off limits, we just try not to take anything that's dangerous. So, um, you know, like weapons or anything way too sharp that could hurt somebody. Um, anything moldy, because of course that could, you know, make people sick. Absolutely. But if it's something that we don't necessarily accept, one thing that I think is special about us is we actually take time to figure out where the customer can take it, because okay. we don't just want to say, no, sorry. We want to- belong here. <laughs> yeah, we want to say, that does have a space, and it's actually over here. Um, so we really try to help people with that, make it convenient to reuse 
super cool. Yeah. So about how much have you guys took, like, taken in? Um, I don't know if you want to do it from like the start of Turnip Green or if you wanted to do it since you guys have been here. Yeah, so we started tracking in 2014. We started as an organization in 2011. Okay. Um, so since 2014, we've taken in over 600,000 pounds. And oh, wow. Um, so in 2019, we took in about 180,000 pounds. So it's really been increasing every year. And if you do the math, we get over 100 pounds donated every hour we're open. Oh my goodness. Okay, yeah, so lots of stuff. <laughs> I want to know, how do we drop things down? Like, how do we bring it over here? What's the like routine for that? Yeah, so the procedure is really simple. Um, you can just come anytime we're open. And so our Sweet. hours are on our website, on our socials. <laughs> you can always call us if you need help finding those. But anytime we're open, you can just come with your stuff. We'll help you look through it. Like I said earlier, if it's something we don't accept, we'll help you find somewhere that does. Um, if it's a really large load, we actually do work with a lot of businesses that will rent U-Hauls. That's a lot of stuff, especially if we only have one or two people scheduled. So we just ask if you can to give us a call and then we can make sure to schedule some extra people. But that's the only time that we would really ask for any type of formal appointment. <laughs> um, and even if that doesn't happen, like we can make something work, but it just Love helps it. us. Yeah. Awesome. So I noticed that your staff has like grown. Yeah. You guys, you guys have completely grown. I mean, I walked in and I was like, okay, this is a totally different space <laughs> with new people. Um, so tell me about your growth so far, you know, with the move. Um, yeah. how, how, what does that look like? How did that go? Sure. So I, I heard someone explain it well recently. They said, if you build it, they will come. And I feel like that's exactly what happened. Um, and I, you know, I didn't realize just by not having enough space, how much we were limiting uh, ourselves in so many other ways. And so by ta it was really scary moving into a place that was bigger and more expensive. Like it's risky, yeah. but because of that, we've been able, like you said, to hire more staff. Um, we've been able to also just because we do have more people and not even just bodies, but like really smart, strategic, yeah. passionate, like everything you would want an employee. I mean, our team is full of those people and it's cool. it makes it really easy yeah. <laughs> um, but we have people not wearing every single hat anymore mm -hmm. um, so more structured roles and then because of that being in place we're able to just streamline and be more efficient um, and and also just go deeper and not wider so much and mm -hmm. kind of build a stronger foundation with everything we're doing Love it. but we're up to about 75 teachers which is a lot. Um, so they're out in the field. We have programs seven days a week. Um, so it, it's it's kind of fun to think about because right now there are teachers all over the city teaching mm -hmm. about both how to be an environmental yeah. steward, but they're doing it through creative, hands-on, and fun ways using all of these materials that community members have donated. That's super cool. Yeah. So you mentioned teaching. Mm -hmm. so I know that you were a teacher, mm -hmm. um, but my audience doesn't. So. Um, <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about you know your journey to Turnip Green uh, before you got here. What did that look like? Oh goodness! Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always tell everybody I kind of have a, a funny little story because I was raised on a compound, which is not like you know your average Joe or Jill. <laughs> um, but because of that, and I, I say that because I learned a lot from mm -hmm. it, and a lot of the things I did learn trickle into how I lead and work with people at Turnip Green. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot of value in community. I think 
it's really easy to want to do everything yourself, but it's impossible. And the way that organizations and individuals succeed is by using their resources and working together and saying, like, what skill do you have? What skill do you have? Okay, let's work together and make it happen. Absolutely. So that is a lot of my childhood, just learning how to work together um, with a lot of different personalities. <laughs> Lots. Um, and then I was the oldest of eight kids who lived there. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So they weren't all like technically my siblings, but it was usually easier if I wanted to skip the whole, I grew up on a compound, it was weird, I know. Um, I usually just said, I have eight, you know, I'm one of eight kids. <laughs> but because of being the oldest, I kind of naturally fell into this like maternal or like leader. teacher, yeah. leader role. Um, all of the kids were different. We are very far apart in age. We all have different interests, learning abilities. Um, so one thing I learned, because I'm like having to rally all of them, right? And it's like hurting Come cats. In for dinner. Please, please. <laughs> and then you quickly learn that not everyone learns the same way or responds yeah. the same way. So I noticed a few things through a lot of trial and error. Mm -hmm. Nature, that got all of them. They were all on board. <laughs> if, we're, if we're in the trees or like playing Super in the cool. mud, it doesn't matter what age or gender or interest, like they're into it. And creativity. So like not telling them what to do or what to think, but just giving them tools and letting them discover and explore and figure it out and, and fail too. Like that's a really huge thing that we encourage in our after school programs today. Like these students need to fail. We all need to fail because that's how we learn and we get better and better. So I did, I became a teacher. I got hired at a Title I school. Wow. I had 600 kids every week and I didn't have a classroom at either. I was on a cart at both. We worked with kids who have some of like, oh man, like I get emotional thinking about all of the stories that they had and yeah. the things they had to carry and a lot of them were homeless and I, mean, I taught up to sixth grade and a lot of them already had parole officers and it wasn't because they were bad kids you know they were such an example of victim of circumstance and victim of lack of resources um, so that was tough that was tough for them and that was tough for me and all of their teachers because we are just like pouring out everything because yeah. I think I think a lot of, like, you could be the smartest person in the world, like the best mathematician, but if you don't know how to translate to kids who learn differently, it doesn't matter. It's a waste, right? So I think because I just, like, knew how to work with different students, we were able to sort of work together and, like, I think even with nonprofit, mm -hmm. with teaching, with like everything, it's more about relationships and Absolutely. then you can get to results. And so I think that was it, yeah. but it was still really hard. And that's why I went to elementary and to art. I was like, let's do a total 180. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> so wait, did you start in eighth, ninth grade? Yeah. And then I went oh my to goodness. Okay. Yeah. In a totally different district. So I like wow. did, you know, the switcheroo and I was like, maybe this is the answer. Yeah. But, and I'm glad I did that because I got to see that in different districts and with different age levels and different subjects mm -hmm. that there were the same systemic problems. Well, I want to take you back to the cart. <laughs> the cart, let's go to the cart. <laughs> we're pulling up the cart. So tell me a little bit more, what was on your cart and like how, what did this look like for you? Oh, everything was on the cart. Um, <laughs> Everything. This is like a mini turn of green on this cart. Exactly. <laughs> and it's the reason that you can look around the shop and you can see a lot of materials packed into one little space because you got to get clever. <laughs> uh, yeah, because some of the classes had up to 30 students. So wow. you have to have enough like paint and paintbrushes and water and everything for them. I think I just, 
I think I just did a lot of like stacking. It had two layers, and I had a lot of things like hanging from the okay. cart. And then I did some like wheeling <laughs> and dealing with some of the teachers and okay. let me like use some of their space. Yeah. You know, like you find out who's like cool with donating some of their classroom, and you're like, can I please just bar that corner over there? Just need yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So like over the three years, I kind of like built up these different stations, oh, and cool. it worked out pretty so well. So tell me some more about the lesson plans that you taught back then, and yeah. did you bring that with you as you moved further on in your career? Like, tell yeah, me what that looked definitely. like. Um, so I thought whenever you started teaching, someone handed you all of the things you do, <laughs> and they were like, okay, go do this. Do this, teach this. And I showed up, and I was like, what do I do? And they're like, oh, well, <laughs> you teach art. <laughs> I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> so what is that? So, ah, so honestly, my approach, um, I am fascinated with art history. I mm. think, and just history. Yeah. I think there's a lot that we can learn and we can like not repeat the same mistakes if we continue to like mm -hmm. look at what's happened in the past. Absolutely. So I, I built my own curriculum and it took a long time, but I basically would get different artists and I would say, okay, we're going to study this artist and then we're going to bring in different projects and oh, learn about cool. like line and color and principles and elements mm -hmm. from there. But I focused it, I wanted every kid to be able to talk intelligently about famous artists. I wanted to bring that culture in that way and I was so fortunate I was presenting at this conference mm -hmm. and it was like one of the coolest things especially at this point in my life when I felt like just stuck in my little cart world <laughs> um, I presented at this conference and they somebody had asked to teach about like how to work with low-income youth mm -hmm. and I just talked about like relationships and like sometimes the best thing you can do is like give them a granola bar, let them sleep in class rather than like focus on the test and yada yada. There's this guy in the audience and he's like, hey, your class sounds or your students sound like a really great fit for something that we just started at this art museum I work at and we actually grant free field trips. Oh, and wow. I and he's just kind of he won't stay with the art museum is or anything and I'm like, is this like a little gallery? Like what <laughs> is this guy talking? I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm like, what's the catch, buddy? And he's like, no, seriously. Like, we pay for the buses. We even pay for, like, substitutes. We pay for their lunches. We give them a tour of the art. And they don't have to be quiet. They can, like, talk and explore. And I was like, okay. What's the catch, though? So, <laughs> the catch. There's no catch. It's Walton money. You know, the Walton's Walmart. Wow. So, it's Crystal Bridges Museum of Art. And it cool. is one of the top ten art museums in the world. Wow. And it happens to be located in Arkansas because of Walton money. And because Alice Walton, the person who basically was the visionary behind mm -hmm. it, she believes in the power of art education. So we took these kids, and the museum staff was so like infatuated with their stories and how well-behaved they were. Because these kids had never been out of their neighborhood, a lot oh. of them. They had never been on the interstate. They had never been under a bridge. They thought we were going, like, they were scared. They oh, were like, no. what is, oh, it's like, oh, this is like something on the interstate. This is a tunnel. And they were just like, and they invited us back every year. Oh, how cool. They ended up doing, like, a video on the students and getting, like, waivers and, like, doing this really cool story on them. And I was like, y'all are movie stars. <laughs> but... It was amazing because they had never heard of Georgia O'Keeffe, you know, and then they get to like go to a museum and, and see, see George. They were like, <gasps> you know, and to see second graders who barely speak English because it's not their native language, like being able to articulate like about a Georgia O'Keeffe and, get happy and about it. And get like, 
<laughs> like emotional. Oh, wow. So um, how are you? So take me back to like when you're watching all of this happen in front of you. Oh, what like were you falling like? like a baby? I was like so <laughs> full of pride, and I yeah. was like, "This is the answer." Like art is magic, right? I love that. I mean, it is. I these are kids who like a lot of people in society might look like look at them and say like they're a failure. You know, these are the kids with the parole officers who are bad or like on the wrong path. And it's like, they can sit there and talk about a painting and like be so captivated more so than like if they were looking at their phone screen. And that's when I was like, okay, if it gets these kids, like there's something to art, like it right. works. And it's it's a good use of time, mm. you know? It's a oh, really good use of time. Wow. Um, and so those kids, I mean, I don't think they'll ever forget it. And I really don't because yeah. that's like you won't forget it either. I you haven't won't. forgotten about it. No, it was so special. And so I think just connecting people to experiences, um, especially people who don't get to have those experiences, it's like no one else is really like providing those opportunities. Like connecting them with people like Crystal Bridges who can. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was, yeah, that was the curriculum. Sorry, that was a long answer. But no, it's beautiful story. More art history focused and learning okay. about real people because I also thought I don't want them to just like see a painting and be like oh it's colors and lines like I want them to know there's a real human behind it who worked hard and like the emotion behind the yeah, photo just and, like yeah. everything behind it and like understand how it works and that it's it's like a career they can pursue or it's something that they can integrate into whatever career they choose I don't care if you're an accountant like you can you can Appreciate put art that. into your yeah. life you know absolutely um so, I don't know. So the curriculum, it, you took what you what you saw really firsthand from those youth that were looking dead at the photos and dead at the artwork that they'd probably never seen before. Yeah. And how did you transition from teacher Leah to turnip grain Leah? <laughs> um, well, one thing that we definitely did, because I didn't really talk much about the budget, but I think it's pretty widely known that art teachers and teachers in general don't typically get a large budget, especially in public schools. Um, I remember I wouldn't even tell other art teachers how much I got because it was like very sensitive because some people get zero and you don't ever want to complain and say well I only get one dollar per student and then they get zero like we're all full um, but I got two dollars per student for the entire year so it's 600 students so it's twelve hundred dollars okay to do an art project every week for an entire for 38 weeks beautiful so how'd you do it so we used a lot of recycled <laughs> materials or reused Beautiful. materials. I mean, we, we had to, but it was also a super cool opportunity. Okay, you've mentioned recycling mm -hmm. a lot. I mean, I'm a little bit familiar with recycling, but like, can you tell us a little bit more about like recycling and what it does to the environment and how it helps the environment versus if we just dumped everything in the landfill? Sure, and so there's also like one thing we like to say is there's three R's. Well, there's actually a lot more, but the three really common ones are reduce, reuse, and then recycle. Mm -hmm. um, they're, that, they're in that order because that's the order of importance. So recycling is, is really good. Like, it's definitely better than throwing something in the trash. But what you always want to do first is reduce the amount of materials you're taking in. Um, and then if you do have materials, you want to try to reuse them as much as possible. <laughs> Ta-da! Um, and then recycling is more like if you put your water bottle in a, re in a recycling bin, the city truck picks it up, it goes and turns into another water bottle. Um, which, once again, that's that's better than trash, but it takes a lot of energy and resources, so that's why we would always want to do the first two first. Got it. Um, 
And then if if none of those happened and it went into the trash can, ugh, that's a bad story. It doesn't have a happy ending. Right. Um, so especially in Nashville, we, we have to talk about where we are because it would go to our local landfill, which is in Rutherford County, and it has an estimated five to ten years left, depending wow. on who you talk to, before it's totally full. So you stop it before it gets there? Stop it before it gets there. There's I love so it. many other options. I mean, there's also environmental impact. It, mm-hmm. You know, all of that stuff going into a landfill, it leaks out really toxic stuff, yeah. and they try to, like, you know, capture all of that and pump out the gas, and they have their systems, mm-hmm. but it's it's not a good... It's a lot of man hours, It's too. a lot of man hours, yeah. yeah. Um, so terrible effects on, like, water and just people and planet in general. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, not the best choice. I love that you guys stop it when you get there. So what, you did, what you've done is taken, you know, your knowledge of how kids see art mm-hmm. and also being able to reuse the materials that we don't have another home for right when we have it but we want to give it off to someone to reuse yeah um so tell me how did you bridge that and what education like programs do you guys have after school what does that look like with the kids in 2020 in 2020 yeah. it's so exciting because as of this school year we're actually the largest provider of free after school programs oh, in all metro cool. schools and um, we have been able to do that with a lot of partnerships mm-hmm. and especially through MMPS just investing in us and helping us collect the appropriate data to show that this really is making a difference mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Kids are coming to school more, literacy scores are increasing, math scores are increasing, kids are just happy. Like, that's my key indicator. It's so cool to see, like, everything everyone needs to see is happening in these programs. So they get to do the same thing. They get to be on their green teams in their schools. They get to go around and collect the recyclables and stop them from going into the landfill. And then they get to turn them into really cool projects. That's super Um, awesome. One that I just saw posted on our Facebook yesterday. We have... It's weird, too, because we have so many programs <laughs> that it's, like, hard to keep up with now. Yeah. We have one site with over a hundred, or about 100 kids. Wow. Yeah, it's a really big program. So we have, like, nine or ten teachers who are always there. Um, a lot of the kids speak Arabic. A lot of the kids speak Spanish. So there's all kinds of, like, cool cultural, like, you know, infusion and stories and coming together. And do you see together. in the art that they create? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can see their stories, like, so hard. It's amazing. It. It's amazing. Um... But they just got cardboard. And it's like, you know how the box is always better than the product, right? (laughs) Like they literally just got cardboard. Mm -hmm. And what we try to do is try to give them a challenge or a problem. Okay. We don't try to give them the outcome. We want them to get Mm -hmm. there. Um, So the the challenge was make an invention. Ooh, okay. Make an invention. Like you could take that in so many ways, right? (laughs) Like everybody's thinking about something that they think, you know, what Mm -hmm. do we need in life? And so a lot of the kids needed to teleport. I mean, they just needed to. So they built these really cool like teleportation devices. Um, But yeah, it's just like they like deconstructed and reconstructed and it messed up and then they tried again. And it's just cardboard. Like, we didn't have to spend a fortune on brand new materials. Yeah. And, and I love that yeah. you mentioned you, they, they broke it down and they start over again. Mm-hmm. Does that happen often with oh, a yeah. lot of the materials that you guys get in and, and what do you use? Yeah, and one way we always want them to be thinking and we try to encourage this in our teaching mm-hmm. is think about the life after 
it's like, okay, your mom hangs it, you mm -hmm. know, on the refrigerator. It's like a centerpiece on your table. But what happens next? Like, what mm -hmm. if you were tired of it and you wanted to use those materials for something else? Does it go in the trash? Does it get recycled? Can it be recycled? Like, what if it's a bunch of mixed materials? What if it has glue? So one thing we try to even talk to them about is, like, building without using a lot of things like glue mm -hmm. or doing, like, st you know, sewing something or using staples because staples can be recycled. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's, like, thinking a few steps ahead rather than just, like, being very present-minded. love that. You know? So you mentioned there's 100 youth in that Just that program. one. <laughs> right now, how many youth are you involved with? changing their lives so regularly yeah. about 500 a week the oh ones that we get to see consistently <laughs> wow um which we really think that makes a big difference i mean yeah. we know that makes a big difference because if you see a kid one time that's special mm -hmm. but to really make an impact it's like important to be with them over and over and keep showing up for them i think sometimes wow. the best thing you can do is just like be there show up yeah yeah um so yeah 500 regularly in 10 after school programs. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. But I mean, we get to do other fun little one offs. Like, we do birthday parties here. Which oh, that's is, cool. It is so cool because the kids <laughs> just get to go wild. Like, they can choose a theme if they want. Like, they can have a unicorn birthday party and then we can teach them how to make unicorn horns out of hanging file folders. That's awesome. You know, so they can just be super creative. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it also like really um, validates what we're doing here because yeah. we're creating a space and it's like the one person's trash is another person's treasure. I hate saying man, sorry. <laughs> um, and really, like that, these materials don't need to be in the landfill because there are somebody, even if you wouldn't use them or couldn't think of a use, like somebody, somebody can. Absolutely. Um, awesome. So you said you normally see around 500, you know, youth a week, which is insane to me to yeah. think about 500 kids <laughs> around. Little, little children. Um, so tell me about some of like the programs, like what are some of their other challenges that you guys have brought up? Because you guys give them material and you're like, okay. Here's a challenge. I might have to go back in time to one of my favorite because <laughs> yeah. I, I need to read the lesson plans. No, um, one of my favorites was, can you make it float? Okay. Can you make it float? And then they just brought like a, a kiddie pool and filled okay. it with water. And then they just let them like have at all of these materials. They didn't wow. tell them, they didn't say like build it like a sailboat <laughs> or like make it hold X amount of things. They just said, can you make it float? And so they took materials that they liked wow. and then they'd like experiment and something would sink and they'd be like, ah, it's like, okay, well like deconstruct it and try again. Um, wow. That was one of my favorites just because it also has like a lot of design and engineering and like that's Absolutely. something that could totally be applied yeah. to like a well-paying job, honestly. Figure and, it out. Yeah, just figure it out. Um, so I love that you said that because it's kind of like a hypothesis. Like we, st we come in, we have an obstacle, mm -hmm. we think we know what's going to be the solution to it, but we have to try it out first. Yeah. So is that how most of your programs are, is like, hey, here's a challenge, mm -hmm. let's try it first, see if it works, and if it doesn't, let's tear it apart and start over. Yeah, exactly. And even if it does work, you can still say, well, is that the best you can do? Wow. I mean, because you should never stop, right? You can always design a newer model, a better model, a more efficient model. I love it. So one cool thing, too, back to the inventions with mm -hmm. the cardboard, they actually had to write a business plan and almost do a sort of, like, shark tank thing, like, well, cool. how will you actually turn this invention into something that the community can have access to? Like, how will you generate revenue? And just getting them to think in that more full-picture way. Mm -hmm. I think... Um, 
there's a lot of value to STEAM education, which is science, technology, engineering, arts, and math, because you're really teaching kids to think in that way. Like, everything has layers. And Absolutely. if you think about whenever we went to school, I mean, most, most of my friends had classes like this, like, you go to algebra block, you go to literacy block. Absolutely. That's not how my job works. <laughs> like, I have to use so many skills in almost every single project I do, so why not teach that at an early age? Love it. <laughs> it's awesome. So, how can we help? This is like my favorite question to ask. Yeah. Um, how can we help? Well, I can think of a couple of things. Yeah. So, number one, something I haven't really touched on is even though we're just now a year in this space, we're actually in the middle of a building campaign. So, a capital campaign because we really believe to fully invest in our future, we need an asset and mm -hmm. we need a space that we own. We don't want to have to keep moving every few years. Um, we'd rather focus on having a space and being able to do what we do best. Absolutely. So with that, I would definitely always encourage people to go to our website and um, stay tuned with some different events and opportunities that there are out there to support that. Absolutely. And number two, just come by and talk to us because there's a space for everybody. Whether you're creative, an environmentalist, you don't identify as either. <laughs> if you can sort things by color, or if mm. you want to help in the gallery, or if you want to help in education, mm -hmm. like there are so many volunteer opportunities and ways to get involved. Super cool. It's it's just like the benefit to our model having so many different prongs. Yeah. Um, so we welcome everybody, and we'd love to just talk to you in person and see what we can do together. I love that. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Is there any like last minute like something you want to tell my audience um i'm definitely going to include all your social media and how to get in touch with you guys and get involved but um like i said i really created this platform to share the stories of these great organizations in our community and, and figure out how we can get involved mm -hmm. um especially for me like graduated from school mm -hmm. i didn't know what i was going to do mm -hmm. um and i didn't know where life was going to take me and so i kind of turned back to my community to figure it out yeah um, definitely. so definitely sharing your stories and um figuring out how other people can help you guys succeed mm -hmm. um and also touch the lives of those kids because i think yeah. that's really important because they a lot of them that you were telling me about they didn't really have the opportunity at first right and i guess this gives them this space gives them the opportunity yeah yeah I guess just, I've kind of touched on this, but for final words, yeah. just to know that Turnip Green is really an amazing space to be mm -hmm. because you can, in the same breath, give and get. Mm -hmm. Like, we're always, like, you're able to get materials, you're able to see beautiful art, but you're also able to connect with people. And mm -hmm. if you find the perfect weird material here, if you find that 1996 trophy that you're like, this is weird, I need it, and you donate $5, you're getting something, but you are also helping provide a free program to a disadvantaged youth in Nashville. So I think there's just so much opportunity mm -hmm. to benefit yourself, but also give back to your community, and who wouldn't want that? Well, wonderful. Well, Leah, thank you so much. Oh, thank um, you so much. For yeah. welcoming me into this like wonderful space. Like I said, I came in and I was just like, where am I? <laughs> so hey guys, if you haven't already, stop by Turnip Green off of Houston Street here in Nashville. Um, they have 5,000 
uh, square feet square feet for you guys to check out. I'm telling you, they have everything from, I was telling her, the tiles um, to when you walk in and actually seeing like trophies and actually having them reuse the different parts of the trophies for um, artwork. So definitely check them out. If you do have any questions, feel free to reach out to Leah and her team. Um, I'm sure they would love to get any questions, uh, any ways that someone can get involved with their organization. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.